This episode of EMS One Stop is brought to you by Lexapol, the experts in policy, training, wellness support and grants assistance for first responders and government leaders. To learn more, visit lexapol.com. That's L-E-X-I-P-O-L.com. Hello and welcome back to another edition of EMS One Stop. I'm your host, Rob Lawrence, and this is a crossover edition because I'm in Las Vegas. I'm at the American Ambulance Association uh, Annual Conference 2023, and we're having a crossover with none other than Mr. Chris Ceballero. Well, Rob, it's awesome to see you here, and I just want to mention, I mean, I, I love your tie. I don't think I've ever seen you wearing a tie before. Well, this is the, the old regimental tie, and actually, if Mark ever pans down, I'm wearing matching socks as well. Good, good as well. Indeed, good. indeed, and this is a formal occasion, mate, so uh, where's your tie? You know, I'm not wearing a tie, but uh, I'm living vicariously through you. So There we go. So uh, what we've got coming up uh, this week is, uh, as I said, we are at uh, the AAA. Uh, Chris is here. Uh, I'm here. And uh, we're going to be bringing you a few highlights from the American Amateur Association uh, Annual Conference. Uh, we're only on day one, though, so we will come back tomorrow, Chris, and hopefully record a little bit more, and then we'll clip it all together. Um, let's just pretend we're going to do that after the break. Okay. And so, you know, what have you seen so far, and what are your takeaways? You know, I think one of the things that I really got yesterday was uh, Dia Gaynor really did a great presentation to talk about that car seats aren't rated for ambulances. And when they talk about that, uh, you know, we're, we're doing children, child transport, pediatric transport, without them being restrained, we got to stop doing that. And now they're really working on the data to prove that this is not the thing to do. So that was the big thing I took from yesterday. Today, a uh, great session with Steve Wirth's where he was talking about uh, malpractice or murder, uh, really referencing the case in Springfield, Illinois, with the two providers that uh, are in some legal mess. And, and then really bias. How does our bias fit into the fact that we may not be doing the right thing when it comes to uh, you know judging people? And I think that that's one of the big things in EMS. But from your standpoint, what did you get? Well, before I go there, I want to come back on the car seat thing, because of course, a lot of organizations have the sort of annual car seat safety fitting. There's a lot of car seat safety technicians out there. We had those uh, back in my operational days. And the one thing we found is that the kids strapped into this chair, but the chair isn't strapped into the car. So, I mean, there, there's a, not just about ambulances, but about general car seat yeah. usage, I think is a, is a major issue that we need to keep the campaigns running, right? Yeah, I think that that's right. And, you know, you've led the really the United States by example with your program that you had in Richmond. And I think that one of the things that we really have to be able to do is kind of promote this throughout EMS so we can do more of this service to the community. Yep. And what better way? I mean, we could give them little flyers about what EMS does, when to call 911, especially these are the people now who have these kids that may need us one day. Um, but we really have to really get into the into the habit of having these car seat days maybe once a month in our uh, organizations but i agree with you 100 percent yeah indeed and and so yes you asked me the question uh, so I, I had a chance to uh, give a session this morning with uh, an amazing aussie so there was uh, you know no no americans involved and yeah we, we must of course play pay a homage to the fact we're coming up to one of your major holidays, Chris. It is uh, 4th of July, Independence Day. And, uh, you know, I know you don't really appreciate it that much, Rob. I do, of course. Uh, we call it Surrender Day. Remember that. Surrender Day. And I always talk about Rob Lawrence, my good friend, 
has the original accent to the state of Virginia. So we do. Anyway, so I did a, a great presentation. I say it's great because of the other speaker, not necessarily me. But uh, um, Justin Back is the president of Acadian Amulets. Uh, so he's all over the, the sort of southern area of the United States. Um, actually, today of the day of recording is his 10th anniversary working with Acadian. And uh, he's an amazing guy. Uh, like me, he had a formal military career. We're both the products of military academies. I was at the Royal Military Academy, Sandhurst. And Justin was at Duntroon, which is uh, in the uh, Australian uh, capital Canberra Military Academy and we so therefore we talked about how those experiences of, of doing nothing but leadership for a year to year and a half we were able to bring some of those lessons forward and, and so we sort of talked about uh, the, 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 this thing called Mission Command which is what all sort of NATO and Western leaders are taught which is about you start off by training your, your folk they then learn to trust you you then learn to trust them and you can then take that trust and apply it to the mission because then you have you know they're going to get on and do what it is you want to do you describe what i call the effect of the target end so i want you to go out and achieve this and actually because you've given them the resources because you've given them the training and you let them let them go and you don't need therefore to micromanage now of course you are the, the consummate you know leadership uh, guru and coach but uh, you know that that was our take and so to apply to come from a military background and then to be able to take some of those lessons and apply them into general leadership yeah. certainly have stood us well in, in, in our careers since then. And I think that one of the things that you touch on is that, you know, leadership is really a science. And if you can work the science, you can get the results, just like any other science. And one of the things that we need to do, and you've certainly been on this mission for years, you and I have been teaching leadership together uh, for over a decade, uh, starting with the old EMS Leadership Podcast. Oh, my God, that was uh, that was a decade ago. You know, it was, but we, we did and, that. And 100 pounds. That's right. We did that for, for both of us, so 200 pounds. <laughs> so, but one of the things is if you work the science, you'll get the results and one of the things that you have to remember is it's like anything else you go to the gym and you and you and you work out and you get the results from working out you know science is you got a little bit of conflict resolution in a beaker and you've got a little bit of communication in a beaker and you got a little bit of motivation in a beaker and sometimes that beaker explodes right and you've got to be able now to change the strategy and make that work but to your point it's the foundational leadership that we get in our training that we don't share with our with our organization with the leaders that are there the other thing is we need to remember that our workforce is the most important component to the success of what we do. They're the field leaders as well, right? We think about what we want from our leaders. We want them to be professional. We want them to look good in their uniform. We want them to have good communication skills and so on and so forth. What do we want from the workforce? We want them to be professional. We want them to have good communication skills. We want them to look good in their uniform. It's the same. We just have to be able to work it that way. Great. Well, and all of that, and that's just day one of our report and commentary from the EMS One Stop from inside EMS. We'll be back after the break uh, where we'll pick up and, and we will miraculously, hopefully, be in different shirts and socks, Chris, we uh, as we'll come back tomorrow. But uh, thanks to the uh, the magic of edits, uh, it'll just be in a second. Uh, oh, before we go, though, there's one somebody missing here, somebody missing from this picture. Um, do you want to leave a message for KG? You know, the good old, uh, our good old friend Kelly Grayson, we want to send a shout out to him. He's on the EMS World Tour somewhere, actually writing his books. So his books. we'll send a shout out to Kelly and uh, we'll see him on the show on Friday. Okay, so Chris and I will see you after the break. And here it is. We're back from the break. If you saw us yesterday, we were in different clothes. If you're listening to us on podcasts, Rob is wearing a clown outfit. I have on a pink tutu with tap shoes, okay. uh, but if it's just you know if you see us uh, and we look different, that's why. But we're here today with Steve Worth, 
Uh, he is an attorney for Paige Wolfberg and Worth. And yesterday we kind of talked about his session where we think about bias and, and how bias really kind of affects us in everything that we do. It was a great session, Steve. So maybe just give the listeners a little bit about your session, what it means, and maybe some tips of how we can avoid. Sure, Chris. It was a very thought-provoking title. It was titled, We're All Prejudiced and dealing with implicit bias and how important that is because we are all biased. We all come from different backgrounds and upbringings. We're exposed to different things. And those subconscious things in our brain, you know, sometimes come out when they shouldn't. If we're exposed to people in difficult situations that are spitting at us, swearing at us, kicking us, whatever, we tend to think, oh, the next person's gonna be like that too. So we talked about implicit bias and the role it has in healthcare decision-making. And it's the research shows that certain groups are affected by that. African-Americans, people in lower economic status areas, people who are uh, suffering from problems of society, so to speak, we tend maybe not to treat them as well as we should other people. So we really got to get a hold of those biases and understand them. That's the first step. And then talk about strategies and how to deal with them. And that's what we did in our session. Makara Trusty and I did the session. It was a great back and forth. It was excellent. And I think we provided some great pointers for folks to recognize, hey, you know what? We can't judge people. We can't blame them for the situation they put themselves in. We got to treat everybody as an equal human being on this planet and give them our best. And we can't let those biases affect, you know, how we treat other people. That's really what it came down to. Yeah, and it was a great informative session. I walked away with some notes. But before I give it to Rob, I do want to ask you this. How much does self-awareness go into this bias that we have? Oh, self-awareness, absolutely critical. You know, you got to sort of do an inventory of your life and say, hey, where are these things that I've experienced and how can they affect my decision making today and my interaction with other people? So self-awareness is really, you hit the nail on the head, Chris, the first step in understanding that we all have these things. They're not necessarily going to be bad unless they come out in a negative way and in, in, in negative behaviors. Yeah. You know, so Rob, I mean, I'm going to kick it to you. I mean, when we think about bias, it seems to be all around us in EMS. You know, as an EMS leader, when we think about this, you know, where do we go from here? And how do we now take this to our agency to say, maybe you don't need to have these biases? Well, I think right now there's education everywhere. It abounds. Uh, if you're at this conference or indeed uh, anywhere online, of course, you should you should take notes in order to, you know, Think about yourself first of all. Think about how you think about other people, and then then there may be necessary tests and adjustments to be made, in order in order to be that good leader that we want you to be, Chris. Yeah, I, I'm impressed with the fact that we're really recognizing the importance of diversity in the workforce, and this conference has had a lot of sessions on that topic. You know, some of the keynote presentations, and that's really the key. Because let's face it, we're all Look at us, three white Anglo-Saxon middle-aged men, okay, uh, as in EMS leadership positions. Thank you for the middle age. We're starting to... Uh, we're starting on the podcast, toned middle-aged men. <laughs> there you go. And, uh, you know, we're starting to work really hard. We got to get into our communities and lift people up and bring them into EMS from other aspects of our communities that haven't wanted to participate because maybe they felt unwelcomed okay and things like that and so that's what's great about it. we're starting to really recognize that in our industry and really working at it and all that's what we need to do
Yeah, I agree. And let's go ahead and switch gears a little bit. And now that we have Steve here, let's talk a little bit about the networking opportunities, Rob. And I want to go ahead and kick it to you because, you know, you are kind of the master Yoda when it comes to networking. <laughs> you should run for mayor of this conference. You know so many people. But, you know, give us a little bit about the networking, the importance of that. And, Steve, I'd love to hear it's, your thoughts. It, it's a good point. And actually, it's a good, uh, hopefully, lesson for everybody that I came to the U.S. 15 years ago. I didn't know anybody. And so as I got on with my job in EMS, I went to conferences and actually I shook hands, I eyeballed people, I got to meet people like you and people like you, Steve. For those listening, I'm pointing at Chris here. And, uh, and, and actually it's how you start to build that network. And of course, when you come back conferences, everyone's an old friend. Um, I have everybody's cards, we have each other's number, and I know we regularly speed dial each other, right? And so that's the result of networking. And so whilst there's some amazing education, actually don't underestimate the value of being in the exhibit hall, being in the halls. And actually, you know, when you go to a conference, go to, up to somebody that you don't know. The reason that you have a name tag with your first name in very large font is so that I can say, hello, Chris, I'm Rob, pleased to meet you. What do you do here? And that's how a network occurs. That's my take on it. I think it's because everybody wanted to meet the guy with the cool British accent. That's how you got all these friends. But it's great. Yeah, the collaboration at this conference has been exceptional. I think this is the best uh, American Animal Association conference I've been to. And uh, just the ability to, you can't get down one row here without getting stopped by people and talking with them. And it's great to catch up, especially now in this post-COVID world where we've got to really think about, hey, what did we learn from that? And where are we going to go from here? And we're on the cusp of major change in EMS, yeah. as we all know, yep. from a financial standpoint, from a strategic planning standpoint, everything. Yeah. You know, one of the stuff. things one of the things that I got out of this, as Steve mentioned, he did his session yesterday with McCara Trustee. And I was sitting in there and I was enthralled by the discussion about bias, because I think we all have it. And one of the things that I started to think was McCarry and I worked as a paramedic on the truck together. No. So when we go back to 2000, we were wearing the same uniform, we were running the same city, and we were now seeing the same things. As we now have progressed in our career, 22 years, we're still connected. We've grown in our career as leaders. And, you know, it's, it's that type of thing when you talk about networking. It's not just the people you're meeting, but it's the people that you continually grow with throughout your career. I mean, Rob, I've called you on several occasions to say, what the heck's going on in California? Steve, I got a couple things I need to talk to you about. You know, we sit on a couple boards together. And it, it really is, when you think about the networking value, please do not let that go by when you're at the conference. One of the things that I try to do as a best practice is I ask the folks I'm going with, how many business cards do you have? Well, I have 20. You need to have 20 business cards of somebody else before you leave the floor. And that gives them the opportunity to talk. But these are the people that you're going to see throughout your career. Of course, that counts paper cards and V cards That's too. Right. Yes, exactly. Yes. you got to have well, other, other such yeah. devices. Uh, before we go on to the next segment, Chris, obviously you are doing some leadership uh, talks and training and education on EMS One. So you have the mic for 30 seconds. Give us a quick plug. You know, I think from the from the leadership side, leadership is about influence. It's not about position. It's not about, you know, the achievements. It's about your ability to influence other people. And I want to challenge you to do that. You could be an EMT on the truck. You could be a paramedic on the truck. You could be the, the, the janitor in the EMS agency. Influence people and allow your leadership to work for people every day.
Thank you very much for that. We come to the end of this segment of our special coverage, our crossover uh, EMS One Stop Inside EMS podcast. We're going to go now to part three, where I had the great opportunity to interview uh, yesterday's keynote speaker, Anna Liotta, who was inspirational and uh, the owner of Royal Ambulance in San Leandro, California, Steve Grau, who gets National Glassdoor Awards for his organization. Not EMS level awards, but national stuff. Let's go and meet uh, Anna and Steve. Welcome back to part three of uh, the EMS One Stop. But don't forget, you can follow us on all of the, uh, the regular platforms. And if you have a mobile phone that you're listening to this or watching this on, look up. You can actually see the plus mark or the check button. Check that. And that means you've liked and subscribed to this podcast and this vlog. So uh, please make sure you do that. So in this half, I'm delighted to welcome uh, Anna Liotta and uh, Steve Grau, and uh, we'll introduce uh, them individually in a second. Anna was our keynote speaker here at the American Ambulance Association annual conference, and you talked about uh, generational differences. And uh, Anna, before we start, I just want to tell you the takeaway wow moment from our, so the generational differences, right? So you, you had this interactive screen running and you were asking questions, and you put up this simple question that I thought was a simple question of tell us if you've heard of Star Wars or you've watched movies, right? That sounds like a simple enough question. And I was actually shocked in the room to hear that I think there were something like 50 or so people in a room of 700, admittedly, that voted, hadn't he had heard of Star Wars, but had never seen a movie. And that kind of blew me away. Maybe that's, that's my generational thing. Of course, I was brought up, my kids were brought up on Star Wars. I felt the force. I actually tweeted, you need to have a look at this slide, by the way. There's the dad joke pun. But I realized that that's my generational thing. I expect someone to have done that. Yeah. And that, for me, you know, set up the entire presentation. So give us a sort of a, you know, a, a potted, um, you know, a potted view of, of what, you, what you were giving us. Yeah, excellent. Well, one of the things that we think across generations is that there's going to be good common sense, that we have a certain set of similar experiences and reference points. So with Star Wars, we would think everybody's seen Star Wars, but common sense is actually not that common. So as leaders, yeah. we have to be far more cognizant of being explicit about our expectations and explicit about why our policies and practices and procedures are what they are, because we're going to be incredibly disappointed if we expect everyone to be referencing the same experiences that right. we are. And, and so it set it up for me. Let's bring Steve in. Steve Grau is uh, the, 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 the guru and the head of Royal Ambulance from San Leandro, California. And uh, I have to say, uh, I'm, I'm obligated to say, of course, Steve is a board member of the California Ambulance Association. Steve, you're doing some amazing things with recruiting and retention. And actually, you've just received your organization a national award. Why don't you tell us what that is? Well, um, this particular award was for the program that uh, has been in the design stages for about a year and a half. We call it the Career Bridge Program. And it talks about um, how we help the individuals that join our organization progress with their careers. Uh, when we done a deep dive into 
who are the people that we're attracted and ultimately why they hire us. Uh, because I think that's an interesting perspective in, in this tight labor market. I think it's interesting to change your perspective into we no longer hire people, they hire us for a job. And so if they hire us from that for a job, what is this job that they hire us to do? And uh, what we learned along the way is that really we're a building block to their career development and so when we talk and, they, and uh, Anna has um, really laid out a beautiful ideology in terms of how people want to get engaged and so if you engage them in this meaningful and customized way in terms of what kind of a service we can do for you we um, build out a four career tracks on where does where can EMS take you most or next I should say um, and that's what the program has been. We build partnerships with fire department and healthcare systems that equally want to attract great people. So if we serve as a builder of healthcare professionals and they are really progressing and promoting their careers, where and how do they end up and how best are they prepared for those opportunities? So that's a little bit about the program and us. And you've been recognised nationally. Glassdoor, for example, have identified you last year, I think, as one of the top 50 places in the country to work. We're not just talking about EMS. We're talking about the country and, of course, uh, more accolades this year yeah. as well. I pre it was a couple of years ago. That award was very special because it's really built on the ratings of your current and past employees. So I think this having this culture of high level of engagement and really focusing on our employees as a primary customer uh, and making sure that we understand what their goals did do what their goals, ideals, passions are, and how to meet them at that level and have this high level of engagement is what helped us um, land some of those reviews and feedbacks that ultimately helped us grant the award. And I've actually been to your shop in San Leandro. I've spoken to your people, of course, some of your junior managers, and there is an enthusiasm about working for you, and, and, and it's really palpable. Now, Anna, you told a story at the start of your, uh, your talk about, uh, was it the Amazon workers that you met every day? Absolutely. And, and you, you could actually work out how long they'd been there. That's right. Just by the way they answered a simple question. So, what do you do? I could tell how long, if they'd been working there two to three weeks, because they would answer it with a bright sparkle, I work at Amazon. But if they'd been there by two to three months, they would pause, well, I work at Amazon and six months, they would drop a code word, currently work at Amazon, and I knew it had been six months, and that this is a crisis for us as leaders, that talent comes to us in two to three weeks, and they're bright and shiny and sparkly and excited to be there, and by six months, we've missed so many of what I call their generational codes that they are now coding currently, and they're signaling that they are silently quitting. They're silently leaving us. And we don't necessarily know why, because we haven't been engaging them and asking them the questions that help us understand what is it that they expect from the work experience versus what is it that we want exclusively from them. In EMS, the word code has a completely different meaning. If, if, if we're, no, 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 but, but I think it's perfect because we know we run the code professionally and, and we help others, but actually cracking the code of our employees, which I think you're on the way to doing, Steve. Yeah. is something that we need to take away. And uh, of course, you realize, I think, Steve, that this is something, you know, we, we, we criticize that we have a revolving door. People are coming in and they're leaving and we, we worry they're leaving. You actually set people up for success in, in their future. This is the gateway to healthcare when they come to work for you. And I think that's a great takeaway for everybody to listen, to hear about. 
Yeah, I, I think my uh, shifts of the mind's eye happened uh, by uh, reading The Alliance, which is a Reed Hoffman book from LinkedIn. And what he introduced is this really interesting concepts of tours of duty. You being a military man yep. yourself, uh, you know, when people come into the military, they can subscribe to a tour of duty. And the definitions uh, is what creates the alignment. So if people know that they're here for two-year term, that's what we expect and prefer, and that's really where we're driving this engagement, what they get from us uh, is important, and what they give to us, the patients in the community, is also important. And as long as you have this open discussions and early preset expectations, then you have a much easier and open communication guideline. Then they don't have to make up where they go or how they get there, if they're looking for a new job or they're attending a school, then uh, this alliance towards both objectives, us obviously uh, serving our patients and them building their careers becomes really important in that pursuit. And I think one of the things that is embedded in what you do, perhaps it's a conscious competence or maybe even an unconscious competence, is that you also give them milestones all the way through so that they feel like they're having that forward progression and it's explicit milestones. Because this is one of the things that our younger Gen Zers and our young millennials too get really frustrated is they feel like they're not going anywhere. And you make it explicit, here's by this point, three months in, then another three months, you keep transitioning them through that so they can see their progress. And it actually extends their tenure with you because you're having an explicit conversation about their future, not saying, we just need you to stay and lock you in. And if nobody's having a conversation about their future, then they're gonna to talk to a recruiter somewhere else. I'm, I'm feeling like the fly on the wall watching an executive coaching session. And I'm gonna pick up on that in a second, but of course you work with some pretty major Fortune 500 companies doing this. And so would you care to name drop? Oh, certainly. So I worked with Amazon and Microsoft, with the PGA, with the NBA, um, with Bloomberg. Yeah, you you name it. We've this, this is a problem that transverses across organizations. So don't let me interrupt you. Keep the session going. That was that was a, a, a amazing. What, what else would you like to say, Steve? I mean, you've seen how Royal working obviously you they're, they're a beacon amongst ambulance services because they're being recognized nationally for the work that they're doing i mean what, what's impressing you about what you've seen i think one of the other key things that steve and Hasib really did a pivot on a few years back yeah. was understanding that their talent their people are a primary customer and this is something that every organization really needs to understand we have been customer obsessed for 25 years and it is now time to get people obsessed because the people are the real jewel for us without them we don't get to take save lives we don't get to do what we do and because our millennials and our gen z are 55 percent of the workforce right now and by 2025 they'll be 75 percent what they're doing to really say what is their customer journey as talent inside our organization and to create what I call the arc. What is the arc of their experience with us? And I think that's one of the things that you're doing so brilliantly is helping people craft, design, and own the arc of their experience such that they say, you know what? I'd like to design another arc. Maybe the two years that we originally agreed on was awesome, but since you're having that conversation, let's keep it going. 
Yeah, uh, thank you for saying that. And I, I think you, you hit it right on the head. I, I think there's, we've studied customers f in, in such deep degree um, that actually there's so many tools available to take the same tools like journey mapping and just reapply it to internal journeys for our, our team members, right? And then I think that's what brings the value. If you look outside the industry, look outside EMS, and look at things like marketing that have hardwired for a whole bunch of behaviors um, and you can apply similar kind of behaviors and deep understanding of cultural I mean cultural and of course uh, generational divides as you presented so beautifully today um, and you take that knowledge and you really start injecting it into how you lead um, and of course, there's always adoption and our need to adapt to the times as well. How do we elevate the middle managers, um, the frontline leaders that are ultimately going to engage with our frontline employees and what kind of tools do they need? But most importantly, I love what you brought today is what kind of understanding do they need and awareness. It all starts with awareness. So, um, yeah. And lovely. I think one of the other things that I would pull out of you know our conversations is you are willing to do the work to look at how did i operate how did i advance this and i would you know talk about uh, how recognizing our own generational code and not allowing people to say well that's how i survived it i had to go through this i had to have these difficult you know back to back no breaks you know it was dirty it was grimy it was rough and that's how you build resilience and i call that corporate hazing. Mm. Somebody says, that's what I survived. And you know, hey, we have a lot of people that come in that are from the military, not as many folks in the, in the in yeah. your, in neck of the woods, but they are like, well, this is, this person was hard on me and they were a drill mm -hmm. surgeon and I, you know, I am who I am today because of it. Our talent today does not need that kind of aggressive, abusive, in many times, kind of leadership they are ready to be led with structure, but we don't need to haze them through whatever we survived or they'll just leave us. Mm -hmm. They've got options and they know because bullying was outlawed in their schools that they don't need to be inside an organization that's bullying them. And what I'm observing in your organization is that you're very, very cognizant of fostering the whole human. And that's what they're looking for is that fostering of me as a whole human being while I'm in this career. Yeah, I think uh, a therapist once told me that hurt people hurt people. Uh, so so I, I think when you start putting love out there, and I'm not really misusing that term, I think love for what you do, love for leading people, love for other people, it becomes contagious. And I, I, I think that, you know, pure concept can't be overlooked. Um, I think the other piece is that you got to be true to your values, like our values as elements of being driven and being adaptable. You know, for us, drive, it, we, everybody in the organization continuously pushes each other to get a little bit better, but also adapt with times. And, and so I think it's an interesting perspective on why we try not to be very stale. And that means with evolution of our thoughts and ideas as well. And I think it's interesting because I would even tweak one thing that you said there, which is, it's not about pushing others. It's believing in yep. others that yes. you are better than, you know, you can be better today than you were yesterday. And it's more of an invitation to expand yeah. than it is an old, what I would call an old code, which is in order to get better, we have to push you. Our 
talent today, they really want to be pulled forward into the greatness, the biggest that they can be. And so I think you have that in your company. This is why I love your positive <laughs> uh, psychology approach. Um, so yes, it's taking taking little words and changing them into big action. So thank you. Does live in that, you know, for me, helping leaders see their blind spots around generational codes. So often we don't even realize in a phrase that we drop that we're pulling an old code forward. And so in my work with executives and coaching and consulting them, some of it is as subtle as realizing that how we're recruiting and what we're saying is signaling an old code. And that's all talent needs. That's all our people need to say, oh, they're still operating in the dark ages. I'm not interested in moving or living or being part of that because on their website, in their socials, in their you know job descriptions, it's all old code. And I'm going to opt out. Well, I think uh, we're almost on time now. And can I entice you and invite you to come back and have, have a longer discussion with us sometime in the future? Absolutely. Excellent. And of course, Steve, I, I've got your number. So there's no getting away my part-time job is uh, serving Rob, so. <laughs> my part-time job is herding Steve, so, uh, so, so there, we, there we have it. Um, so don't forget uh, to like and subscribe. Um, if you have a comment, you can leave it in the comments on the platform on which you're watching us on. Uh, for the moment, Anna and Steve, thank you very, very much indeed. And uh, we're gonna go back bizarrely to Rob and to Chris. So that was, uh, as always, the amazing Steve Grau and Anna Liotta, our keynote speaker. And one of the things that I enjoyed about that segment was actually listening to the, those two talk because it was almost like watching some sort of uh, executive counselling session going on. Now, one of the questions she asked uh, in, her, in, in her opening session, and we talked to her about in that last segment, was Star Wars, right? Yeah. We asked everybody, you know, in the room when she did her session, how many of you in the room have actually either heard of but not seen a Star Wars movie and there were a few people in there and that kind of made me feel old right I mean it, it was just crazy and when you think about Star Wars who hasn't seen Star Wars but 50 people didn't but I just wanted to say one thing Rob I'm your father so that, if there's a Star Wars reference I'm not really his father so I just want to We'll make sure we have a look at that later, Chris. Anyway, uh, that's about all for now. Don't forget to follow us on all of the uh, regular social media channels that you consume your podcast on. And also don't forget you can watch both EMS One Stop and Inside EMS on YouTube now as well. So you can hear us, you can see us. If you can't bear to look at us, just listen to us. Anyway, Chris, bring us home. And for, I'm Chris Sabalera for Kelly Grayson. We're going to catch you guys next week with another great episode. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, email us at the show at ems1.com. Rob. Thank you, uh, Chris. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you, all of our guests. I've been Rob Lawrence. This was the crossover EMS One Stop Inside EMS. And until next time, bye for now.